Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Welcome listeners, it's Adrian here from Market Attack, and we're back for another episode, of course. Or you will be listening to one. <laughs> so we've got Rob, he's back, baby. Hey, hey. And Keith. Hello. And Dilsey. Hello. <laughs> now, I'm not Dilsey. I'm not Dilsey. Dilsey's not here. Who's that? It is back with popular demand. Take off the mask. <laughs> it's Kev it's Kev again oh, it's Kev again hello I feel like at this point I should say something disparaging about Dylan do it because normally he, no because normally yeah, he because... says something horrendous if I'm not here like Keith's got the squids or something really disgusting <laughs> yeah we forgot so, to do that last episode didn't we, we? did didn't we well no like, it was such a, it was such a so bad case of the squids without just, Bell room yeah <laughs> what, what, what could we say about Dylan why is he um, not here Dylan could have the squids he's had the squids yeah now before. Dylan's got the squids Dylan is preparing for his KKK K rally. No, no. that's a bit <laughs> too much. Too much. He's got the Swiss. He's got the Swiss, ladies and gentlemen. It's fine. It's all good. Um, I thought today. <laughs> <laughs> I thought today. I, thought today hey, it, 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 I didn't say it was that KKK. It could have been a different KKK. It, yeah, and it, a, yeah. Something with an unfortunately ac- acronym. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on quickly. Um, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Before we get onto the topics now, I thought I'd share another review on our podcast. Oh, We've got God. another review from one of our lovely listeners. Are you ready for this? Yeah. I read, I thought, oh, a, a new five-star review. It's going to be like, oh, Adrian's the best. <laughs> and I, actually, no. I, I'm quite offended by this review. He's actually asking for more Kevin. More Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It starts well. It starts well. It says, the best of friends talk about the best of times. But uh-huh. too much Zelda, too much Zool, too much Jaguar, too much Amiga. You, you, Are they actually friends? You, <laughs> yeah, that's what makes me angry. Cause I hate these guys. <laughs> no, well, what, look, you're going to see why. Why? I, oof, I was like, ooh, look at this. But it's five stars. You know, can't you know? Can't knock it. Can't knock it too much. But it says, well, what can you say? They don't always get it right. <laughs> Fair. They don't pretend to be experts. Also, no, hey, we do. We are. We are experts in video games. Are we? Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever made a mistake? Opinion here. Yeah. <laughs> We've never made a mistake. We technically make more mistakes about non-video gaming stuff. That's true. So we yeah, are, we are ex- very good. At so that. already, we never make mis- we never made a mistake in our lives, have we? We always pronounce oh. the correct words. <laughs> <laughs> We, but anyway, it says here. They, and we'll just uh, just refer us back to uh, last week's episode on the Zelda cartoon. Well, here we go. Where uh, Adrian said that there was no sword fighting. There was lots of. Sword <laughs> Thank you, Kev. Yeah, we checked. We checked, and Adrian lied. I'm a liar. There was lots of sword fighting. Yeah. Okay. But that was the first five minutes, and then after that, it all went downhill. And that was the first mistake, right? So. But the, it was a, it was a mistake. So, so they don't pretend to be experts, but there's a big but here. But what these four boys do is bring a great podcast all the time of great retro gaming gold. So easy to listen to and makes every work journey go super fast. Oh. Well done, boys. And this is from Rich from Retro Fun for Everyone. Very nice. So, Thank Rich, you, Rich, I was a little, I was, oh my, my, I was grinding my teeth when I first read that sentence. <laughs> Not experts, they can get things wrong. But it's fine. We'll allow it, won't we, this one? We'll allow it. I'm going to start reading out every positive review we get. Yeah, yeah no negatives. No. Just the positives. <laughs> if we had to read out the negatives, we'd be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, I've got a, a, I thought today, because I thought my game in this pod, my, my crazy, not top 10, just 10. Remember, we just went through 10 yep. crazy. I mean, we've done, we, we've got 30 in total of those. Yeah. I thought I'd, I'd go for another sort of 10 crazy yeah. list. Everyone likes a list of 10 things. So I thought I might go through the 10 craziest peripherals for consoles. Nice. Well, it's like a screen rant video, except you can't actually see anything. <laughs> yes, you, you can't see it, but with our lovely dulcet tones. You we can, can bring it to life. I had an idea what we can call this segment. I was thinking we called it Peripheral Vision. <laughs> <laughs> Tumbleweed. 
<laughs> it wouldn't work though, because vision means you can see it, so that's kind of <laughs> Or, like, this is even worse. If I'm going to say it anyway, or peripher cool. Get out. Leave <laughs> <laughs> the pod's over. The pod's over. Anyway, there's so many crazy peripherals, and we can talk about um, some others if you want it towards the end that, you, that I haven't mentioned, but there's going to be another episode of this. It's too many. So what I've kind of done today is look at the 80s and 90s peripherals. Okay. Uh, kind of the more wacky ones. Yeah. Actually, they're wacky, so it doesn't mean they're so bad. Some of them are really no. interesting, but some of the wacky ones are terrible. Uh, sorry, Keith, we're not going to cover the Resident Evil Chainsaw this episode. Because oh, so, that came out in the early 2000s. You, you know yeah, about this. I do. So, uh, you know. I don't, and I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> and, and that's the only reason you came today, because you thought I was going to talk about it. It is. I'm leaving now. Yeah, yeah Keith can go. Um, but we've got 10... We're not going from the crazy, you know, the most boring to crazy. We've got 10. We don't do ranks, do we? No. Even if our top, we do, we're our top 25s, but when it comes to lists, we just go through it. So at number 10, in no particular order, we've got the ASG Video Jukebox, released in 1994. So in particular order, why are you counting down from 10 to 1? Uh, just to keep track. Just, yeah, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to the list uh, okay, in the order. to hype up, yeah, okay. Yeah, because I don't want anyone thinking... <laughs> Don't want everyone thinking, oh, number one's going to be like the best thing ever. Um, <laughs> You're really building this up. <laughs> I know. Anyway, Ted. So we've got the ASG Video Jukebox released in 1994. Any ideas what kind of console that kind of can tag onto? Karaoke. I mean, like a karaoke machine. Mm-mm. You would think that. Wait, ASG Video Jukebox. Yeah. You would think it would be linked to music, but if it's you, not really. If you tell us who made it, would it be... Wait a minute, no, 1994 away? must be Mega CD, surely. Uh, again, close. Close. Radio. No, very close, to be fair to Rob. It was made for the Mega Drive. Okay? Oh. Um, yeah, so the video jukebox, nicknamed VJ. Okay. Yep. No comment, because, you know, it's just that's what it's called. It, ah, but it's unreleased. It never came out. But oh, obviously, right. Yeah, so it's unreleased. Uh, it was made by, believe it or not, ASG Technologies. So the VJ would, would would allow the user to choose between up to six Mega Drive games without the need to open boxes and insert cartridges on a regular basis. So you could pick your best six games, and uh, you know, so it's similar to a jukebox. You could select which game you want. No, to. similar to one of those old uh, CD players that had like five or six different things in yes. it, yes. and you'd be able to like revolve it. Oh, around. yeah, I had one of those. Yeah, oh. CD, was it like a multi changer? Yeah, yeah, multi changer, multi changer. Yeah. Okay. Well, it says here cartridges cartridges would be inserted into the unit. I'll show you a picture in a minute, and would be selected via buttons on the unit, much like a regular jukebox. But then. I get your point, Rob. Maybe it is a bit more like what you're talking. So, um, I love how many, this. How many, sorry? Uh, so, six, six. Six games. This is brilliant, though. Apparently, six VJs could be linked together. And I'll show you a picture. Keep in mind, I'll, I'll show you how big. So, technically, you could have up to 36 cartridges. Wow. <laughs> I know. And how much did one of, were one of these going to cost? Well, each one would cost $49.99. So, only $300 to, <laughs> to, to not have to put the match correct. Yeah. I. I it didn't. Yeah, that's good maths. Well done. Well done. I had them. I had to work the maths out. I'd yeah. argue that it's Quick kind maths. of GCSE math. Well, well maybe. maybe. <laughs> Look, I think we can all agree. Three hundred dollars is a small price to pay. To have to walk like a couple of meters across the room. No, to be fair, you still have to walk across the room. Do you want to see press a, the button? Do you want to see a picture? So, well, how do you describe well, you don't it? Use your controller. No, it's, it's like a big box. So you still have to get you have up. To press the button. You have to press the buttons. All it means is you don't have I to like, take the cartridge out to put it back in. What do you but think? Would this have actually saved some of the pin integrity on the cartridges? Probably, probably. It so, might have. It might have kept the cartridges better. I mean, you still have to occasionally take them out and blow on them. Surely. Could you imagine if you had? How many? If you're not lodging dust in there, there and top of it, that'd be great. Well, could they? I guess it'd be side by side or, or one on top of another. Could you yeah, you could have like a. Oh, like that. I mean, no. Let's let's be honest, though. This is a rich kid's toy, right? Oh yeah. Well, was, I mean, it was this the nineties. Neo Geo was like the games were cost you. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a bit of the poster advertising? Yeah, go on, go on, go on. Of course, it's like what? front of the. It's not back of the box, but it's back like it. Box. I was thinking the other day we haven't done that for a while. No, it's back of the box, back of the box. <laughs> Next time we do a video game, um, uh, that we, video we, game was one of those. No, like a specific game. Lost that. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, I'll make sure back of the box comes back with with raw with raw in, you know with anyway it says here video jock jukebox VJ uh, rock and stack jack yeah 
Yeah. It's, it's like this a slogan? Yeah, that's their slogan. Okay. It says, breaking news from Silicon Valley, video video get, uh, video jukebox ready for prime time. Oh, this, look at this. Release. Releases for Sega, Genesis, SNES, and... It was going to be released on one more, one more console. Go on. Jaguar. I hope Game Boy. No. Jaguar. Yes, the Atari Jaguar. You thought, you thought the Atari Jaguar would be mentioned today. <laughs> oh, okay. It is. I knew you'd find a way. So, but they were scrapped. They were all scrapped. Never released. That's sad though, isn't it? Well, <laughs> Could you imagine? Very, very There's not really 36 Jaguar games. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is more. There is, there is. There is technically. But can you imagine? You'll probably play about five of them in total. You wouldn't do the other like club drive. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> Man. Oh, anyway, that was that was that was number one or oh, number ten. Oh, we're ready for number nine. I mean, you mentioned this before, Keith. You mentioned oh, this in the I previous know. This pod. Is then. Yeah, go, go on. on. The activator. The, ac- the activator, made by Sega, released in 1993. Well, do you know much about this? Do you want to fill in the gaps? Okay, so basically, it was uh, an interactive peripheral that was mainly going to be used for fighting games for the Mega Drive. It's got the details, but you would be able to. Punch and kick. Sorry, I'm doing the motions. No one can see this. So you'd be able to punch and kick, and it would create inputs on the game. So, on, yes. so the reason I brought it up before, and I'm sure you mentioned it, is because Eternal Champions was one of the games that it was designed to work with. By the way, for anyone who, I mean, I see anyone, everyone who couldn't see that. Keith's punching motion was much like Max, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Like, sorry, please go on. Carry on. So, so, I mean, how did this work? Was it, it attached to you? Or no, it... so A's got a picture. It's like a plastic hex. Is it a hexagon or. I'm not good at Countersides. Cap- so you know the show. Octagon? O- octagon, yeah, yeah. It's a plastic octagon on the floor. Like it's the USC. Like a, yeah, inside the octagon. And it's um, like infrared. Uh, and so when you. So you break the beam. Rob, you break the beam, and that was what created the input into the. I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it sounds good. It does sound good. It sounds brilliant. <laughs> but surely, what could go wrong? Well, well, let's go a bit. We'll talk about the stuff in a minute, but let's go a bit more detail on what it, what it is. So, like, like Keith said, it's a, a full body motion based video game controller made by Sega, not some weird company yeah, we never heard of. It is an octagonal controller unit which sits on the floor and uses infrared beams to in, uh, interpret movements. Um, it was, like I said, re- re- revealed or released for the Mega Drive in 1993, uh, intended to act as a more immersive substitute for a standard control pad. Boring control pads, aren't they? Yeah. Who cares about control pads? We want to be more immersed. Um, it was created at a time, obviously, when a lot of companies were looking at things like virtual reality, mm-hmm. uh, the future of gaming. However... Obviously, virtuality was very expensive. This was kind of, you know, kind of be the kind of a stop gap in between. And more importantly, dangerous. Like, I think everyone's seen The Lawnmower Man. Yes. Yeah, Pierce Brosnan's in that. Yes. And Jeff Fahey? Yeah, that's his name. Okay, good. I feel the Jeff's confused because there's Fahey, Daniels, and Bridges. (laughs) But I think it was Fahey. And yeah, it turned him into an evil genius Mm. who, man, we've got to start doing film. Like episodes. Anyway, go on. Well, it was based on a musical instrument called the light harp. Don't know if you've ever heard of that. Oh, no. Um, it does actually sound familiar. Yeah, it was conceived. I don't know if you know, know this guy. Yes. Okay, I know this. Kev knows. Yeah. Uh, but it was conceived by a musician, a martial artist. That's a good combo of roles, yeah, isn't it? that is a good combo. In this case, yeah. And this, the gentleman was called Asaf Gurna, and he came up with this idea. I think he went with a light harp, and they thought, well, hang on... Um, yeah, so there you go. And the activator comes in eight segments, which, when fitted together, creates an octagonal ring, which is designed to be placed on the floor. Duh. Each section of the activator fires a beam of light upwards, and the player stands inside the octagon, punching and kicking to break the light beams and sending signals to the Mega Drive uh, console in the process. The activator is effectively a glorified control pad with left, you know, it's got all the buttons like A, B, C, and all that, and start buttons, yeah. all the different areas, um, all mapped in the eight segments. While the activator will function with any Mega Drive game, technically, a small number of games were partially designed for the activator and were spe- specifically labeled themselves as activated. What games? There's only I've got four here were properly made for this thing or activated. So the only one I know is Eternal Champions. Eternal Champions. Um, okay. Any other guesses? Comet Zone? No, I mean, no, it, no, it wasn't. Act, it wasn't activated. It wasn't Keith. activated. Do you have any guesses, uh, Rob or Kev? Um, Cyborg mm. Justice? Nope. I guess it's the robots. I guess these are games after 993, aren't they? Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, 
fighting game. You're not, you know one of them well. The other two are a bit obscure. Do you want them? Go on. We've got Best of the Best Championship Karate, which I've actually got in the SNES randomly. I don't know. Uh, Eternal Champions, as you said. Yeah. Greatest Heavyweights. Okay. Is that a boxing game? I assume so. Yeah. And the final one is Streets of Rage. Three? Three. Oh, Fully three. activated. So, so that your face, Dylan. Yeah, Dylan. <laughs> not Streets of Rage 2. Yeah, Dylan. Um, Dylan but, is insane anti-Streets of Rage 3 vendetta. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but here we go. Sega of America also promoted the support for Mortal Kombat, Streets of Rage... Uh, Street Fighter 2 Special Championship Edition and Streets of Rage 2. Um, oh, this is great. The Mega Drive and Sega 32X versions of Mortal Kombat 2 also mentions the activator by name, but the control scheme is identical with that of the standard three-button controller. So, there you go. There was actually a couple of unreleased games that were designed specifically for the activator, but unfortunately never made it. One was called Air Drums. Okay. <laughs> I, I can picture it. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what? That, it can be quite gimmicky, quite fun. It and sounds like it's kind of pre... Uh, pre Wii. I was going to say pre-Guitar Hero. <laughs> yeah, slash, yeah, air uh, drums. Yeah. It's air drums. Can you yeah, imagine how band. cool you look? Like rock band. It's basically like yeah. the drums with a rock band. But you'd never actually hit anything. It'd just be the air, wouldn't it? Um, It'd be like the video for Need You Tonight. <laughs> 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 Where the guy is air drumming. <laughs> It would. And the other game uh, is called Bounty Hunter. Again, I don't know much about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe you're hunting down chocolate bars. Who knows? <laughs> no, that's a bad joke. That's a bad, that's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. That's a bad joke. <laughs> I'm glad you could admit. Yeah. This is cool, though. Actually, the activators, let's be honest, and I've got a little bit of a twist to this, but it's, it's terrible. But an improved version of the activator was used by Sega System for 32... Arcade for, for um for the for the Sega System 32 arcade fighting game Dragon Ball Z oh. VRVS. So again, never heard of this before. But it had a number of extra sensors to put off better reaction sensing. Uh, but it was a popular attraction at the um, at the amusement machine show in 1993 for an accurate motion detection and fun gameplay. Um, that sounds quite interesting. So they obviously took it f- further, and it was quite quite useful. Now. We, but I mean, like, if you're doing that at a trade show, I feel like there's more scope. If it doesn't kind of go right, people don't really expect it to be perfect. Whereas if you paid money for something, you bring it home, you want it to work perfectly. You would. Now, if only we had a contact with someone who made Eternal Champions. <laughs> um, I've interviewed a lot of people, as you know, for Arcade Attack, and I've been very, very grateful. I think the own again, if, if I'm wrong... If there's other pe- if people are interviewed in the past listen to this, get say, well, I, I listen to your podcast, Adrian, or you know, but Michael Latham, he listens to all the episodes, every single episode. He's a big fan, so it means a lot, and he's a proper Sega uh, legend in my, you know, rubbing his ego a bit here, but he was proper in in the, you know, he's a big num big name in the, in the Sega world. He was there for about nine years. He made Eternal Champions. Yeah. He made loads of cool games. He was involved in the Activator. And he said this is the first time he's probably been interviewed about the activator. So we've got a text interview on the site, linked to the podcast. Nice. I've decided, to, just for you lucky listeners, I've got a couple of the questions here. Do you want to hear what he's got to say about it? Yeah. So I asked him, just, you know, there's more questions on the site. But I said, can you recall the first time you heard about the activator? And was this an idea Sega had, uh, had for a long time? And do you know who came up with the idea? And he said, so the sands of time have washed away the exact memory or the first time I heard about it, what I can tell you is that is a remarkably like my time at Yahoo, where they gave Mark Cuban a billion dollars for nothing and then handed it over to me. The, act- <laughs> <laughs> the activator so was... that's how Mark Cuban became a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the activator was the same thing. I'm guessing France Tan- Tatiado was involved. Sorry if I got that wrong. Was involved. Uh, she was always getting me pulled into things like blast processing. I do, I do know the inventors of Activator were two guys from Israel. One of, one of the two of them, in my memory, I think, had a ponytail and was supposedly a martial artist and was one of the, one that would bust a move in the thing to demonstrate it. So there you go. Um, I said here, the Activator was a great concept and possibly ahead of its time. What was your exact role on this ambitious peripheral? And Michael says, oh no, it was not ahead of its time. It was a bad idea from any time frame. <laughs> I was trying to be positive. I like the honesty, though. Um, I, I had testers have nervous breakdowns trying to test games for the thing. When it wasn't reg- registering moves, 
doing false moves or breaking apart from kicking the thing. <laughs> it, was, it was a cursed item from the day it appeared. Oh. So kicking by accident or kicking on purpose out of anger? A bit, a bit from column A, a bit from column B, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is good. <laughs> Can you recall whether the activator had a lot of test marketing before it was launched? And when did Sega realise the ambitious idea was a failure? And he says, I think when people were acting... Actively mocking out people who did a live stage show every half an hour at CES or E3. That was a clue. It wasn't going to end well. So eat that, Rob. <laughs> there you go. It worked badly from the off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, it's the fact he compared it to Yahoo is damning because Yahoo is probably the worst run big company in the last 20 years. I say probably. I'm, not, I'm leaving some space there. Yeah, Ma- Michael worked at Yahoo, so that's a little bit rude. But it's true. I mean, he didn't run with Yahoo. But Yahoo were like kind of, of all the internet companies, Yahoo were famous for just doing everything wrong and like would attempt against something that was kind of a good idea. They had, they run, they bought Flickr and Flickr yeah. was really young and Flickr could have been Instagram, but yeah. mm. they ran it, they just ran it into the ground instead. They bought um, Tumblr when it was like kind of big for I think at least a billion dollars and ran that into the ground. They were just renowned for just being terrible at everything. I've still got a Flickr account. I thought they shut it down. No, I think it's still there. Okay. You think? Yeah, well, it sounds like you use it for Instagram. <laughs> well, look at it this way. Do you have an Instagram account? No. Okay. Because most people use Instagram now. No, I'm a Flickr man myself. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I asked him, did you ever work on any, or see any other interesting console peripherals or add-ons in development, which never got released while working at Sega, and this is this. I put my hands up. He has mentioned one. We, it's not in my list. I'm sorry, but I might do a bit more digging around. It might be in a future list. Okay. But he says Sega VR. <gasps> he says the company made a good call on that one. It was so far from prime time. Most people were uh, people would need a bath bag to use it because of the lag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, leave it to the Jag VR, uh, Michael. Yeah. You know, they're, they're the big guns when it comes yeah, to virtual reality. Yeah, that never got released either. Truthfully. <laughs> Will it be mentioned tonight? No. Okay. No Jaguar comments, you know, apart from one earlier. Apart from that. Um, so I asked him, in your view, which innovative console peripheral or console innovation was, was most impressive and groundbreaking? And he says, and I think this is quite a good answer, but um, he says a six-button controller. Is that fair? It was a great... Yeah. yeah. That was legit great. Yeah. And he said, as it makes fighting games playable... I would say the worst peripheral award still goes to that robot thing from Nintendo uh, that oh, did a whole yeah. lot of nothing. So I'd give the activator points for not being that thing. We what might, was he called? Yeah, we, we might talk Robbie. about Rob. 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 We might talk about Rob later. Uh, yeah, no, because Rob's there. Yeah, anyway. That activator thing, when you first hear it and see it, you go, oh, oh, oh. And then you think about trying to play Streets of Rage. Well, <laughs> you have to move the character. So you have to go, so there's your octagon. So that's... Yeah. That's the right on the D-pad, hmm. and that's but if you a, think, if you think about like <laughs> wireless controllers now, you could hold something in your hand to mm. move while still doing oh, the actions, couldn't you? So yeah, but that literally just corresponded to buttons on the pad. Yeah, so my, it just would have been in my experience. It worked. Any kind of thing that involves movement to pick up is just. It fails right away. Yeah. Even when you were describing what the activator was, just thought, oh. Yeah. I think it, in principle it's a good idea, personally. Mm. But yeah, in practice it was. Yeah. It, was it was doomed what, to fail. Hmm. What I'd say is there's a great, oh man, there's a great picture. It shows some pictures of people doing the ad, trying to do the activator. Yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. some people doing the crane kick, you know, the karate <laughs> kick. Can you imagine putting I mean, on you would, wouldn't you? You would do it. Yeah. But in, in Streets of Rage, how many kicks or punches do you have to do in that, in that no, game? Exactly. How many crane kicks do you have but to do? But it's moving make? the character into position as well by like moving your arms and let, no, just, no. <laughs> Good exercise though. Um, would you like have to hold the joypad in one hand to do stuff while you were doing no, the No, but that's not, no, this that's it. So that say. each bit of the octagon Relates to A, B, C, start, up, down, left, right. That's Whoa. what I'm saying. So you're going, I want to move up the, up the screen, go right a bit, and punch. Then, do you know what I mean? It would just be... But if they could break that out and just have... If it was just... Element. Yeah, if it was just the punching and kicking. And then you could hold your controller yeah. and do could, But it wasn't. Though. Could you have two activators then for a street... I suppose you could. I don't know. Man, mind boggles. My... There's more questions on the side. There's <laughs> click on the link. But my final question, just for the podcast segment, I said, do you own and activate yourself? And roughly, how many 
how, many, how many times a week do you play on it? How many Eternal Champions <laughs> fights have you played whilst using this amazing accessory? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Michael said, I'm 100% sure it's packed away in boxes I have from my old office at Sega. I had to play too many fight, fights while testing. And if I, had, if I found the thing, I'd figure out who my worst enemy in the world was and send it to them. <laughs> So expect something in the post too. Right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Actually, this is a bit of a, a bit of a spoiler. Uh, we're going to get Michael back on the pod soon as a kind of round table. Yes. He wants to talk to yeah, Rob. Yeah. He wants to talk to Ke- uh, Keith. I don't know if he wants to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> no offence, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm only slightly offended. No, because he probably listens to the bio for us ever say, well, yes, I want to talk to this guy. Yeah. But look, <laughs> my point is he wants to talk to us. So think of some great Sega questions. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. There you go. But that's a future episode. You know, be prepared. Coming soon, Michael Nathan roundtable discussion. Anyway, that was a big discussion. We've got to whiz through a few now, so we're going to go through U Force. My Force. U Force with the letter U, which was was made. We're going to the eighties now in nineteen eighty nine by Broad Broadabund. Anyone heard of it? No. No, I haven't heard of that or them. No. <laughs> but when you hear about it, you're going to well, you're going to say, "Wow, that's pretty crazy." So the U Force is a motion control peripheral. No, not the activator. Uh, released for the NES in 1989. So unlike the activator, the U Force was designed to read only the player's hands and arms, translating their gestures into control pad inputs. Huh? If only it sounds a bit like something else that came out around then. <laughs> The U-Force is a game controller, yet my, made by Broderbund. Uh, it, it, it employs a pair of perpendicular consumer IR sensor panels to translate the user's hand movements into control signals. Um, there's a picture there. It looks a little bit like a, a, a game of... Um, uh, is it Battleship? Oh, I see. Battleship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird, isn't so it? So you move your hands. Yeah, you move your hands. Do you want to hear the, the advertising spiel for it? Yes, please. So... From a print advertisement, so introducing U-Force, the revolutionary controller for your Nintendo Entertainment System. So hot, no one can touch it. <laughs> See? See? <laughs> Unlike a certain glove we can mention. Well, 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 yes. Now you can feel the power without touching a thing. <laughs> it's U-Force from Bondabund. <laughs> the first and only video game controller that, without touching anything, electronically senses your every move and reacts. There's nothing to hold, nothing to jump on, nothing to wear. What? <laughs> do, do I love about what that? What do you control yeah. this thing with? You don't want to know. Do I, do I love about this? Player three has answered. The spiel for that is 30 years, and it, it's correct. It is the only controller <laughs> that involves not touching anything. Oh, it's true. Oh, it says, U-Force creates a power field that responds to your every command, making you the controller. It's the most amazing accessory in video game history, and it will change the way you play video games forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the challenge of the future, U-Force. Now, now nothing comes between you and the game. Wow. Um, I love how it says don't. One of the advertisers says, "Don't touch." <laughs> yeah, which um, is how the public responded. Yeah, Look, I respect it. I mean, it's ridiculous, but also kind of cool as well. I like so, it. I I think, and I'm, I might be wrong. <laughs> I think number seven might be King's favorite on the list. I might be. Oh, go on before we go into that. So yeah, to, to kind of describe the U Force, it's almost like if you imagine an open laptop. If you kind of waved your arms over yeah. the keyboard, yeah. So was that put on yes. sale? I think it was released. I think it's quite expensive now. It's quite uh, collectible, actually. Because no one bought it. P- probably, yeah. Oh, there you go. Broderbund, a now defunct publisher of classic PC games oh, like Prince of Persia and Mist. I meant to say that. Yeah. So they are defunct. Yeah, they, so they've had a bit of um, a clout behind yeah. them. Yeah. Um, fair enough. So number Did seven. you say that you forced bankrupted the entire company? <laughs> Aiden. Yeah. Um, well... No, no, I can't make a joke. I was going to say they forced the issue, but that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. That's bad. That's no, bad. you should say you forced the you issue. Forced. See, I missed it. There you go. So number seven. This is cool, actually. And I, I reckon oh, I Keith will like this. It's called the Top Rider Motorcycle Controller. Ooh. Made in 1988 by Human Entertainment. <laughs> Human Entertainment were involved in the Clock Tower game. Were they? Mm. So it's a Japanese, it's a Japanese company. Yes. And this is a Japanese-only peripheral. I'll show you the pic. This is great. Go on. And this is the is no it one. Right? Oh, is it motorbike handlebars? No one knows for certain, 
but they think uh, it's, it's inspired by the sit-on version of Sega Super Hang-On coin-up. Oh, exactly what I was thinking of when you, mm-hmm. you actually said that. Um, Top Racer is a motorcycle racing a game, yeah? yeah? From a behind-the-bike perspective, in both these respects, it's very similar to Super Hang-On. Mm. Uh, the player can choose the two modes, Grand Prix, in which the player partakes in several consecutive races, and Touring, in which the player can choose one or four courses for a single race. Sounds pretty boring so Standard, far. Yeah. But the game is notable for this unusual peripheral. An inflatable motorcycle <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> with a special handlebar controller built in. Oh! What was, what was this for? Nez. Oh. The player can sit on the peripheral once fully inflated oh and use God. the handlebars to control the on-screen bike. Oh I need God. to see a picture of this. I need this. <laughs> Unfor- well, I say unfortunately, it's made for children. It's made for children. Um, and? Normally... What about people who are children at heart? Yeah. Well, that's right. Um, <laughs> do you want to see a picture of it? I mean, yes. Just, you can see it there. That you can actually you can, you can blow it up. There's a picture of the box Oh, so there. it's uninflated. Oh, wow. And there's the handlebars. It's cool, isn't it? Oh my I think word. it was only released in Japan, sadly. Oh, what, what was it called? Uh, Top Rider Motorcycle oh Controller. No, I saw a TV ad. Sorry, this, this is only... This is getting off topic a little bit, but I saw a TV ad for some, like a product. I can't remember what it was called today. And it was like a Peloton. You know what like Peloton yeah, is yeah. like? Yeah. But it was like an exercise bike and it go from side to side. So it would like if you tilt while you're doing this. I just remember looking at it and thinking... Who the hell would want an exercise bike that tilts? <laughs> well, they do. Can you imagine that? They've actually popped it. Oh, I'm about to win the race. Oh, no, look, he's mocking. Oh, <laughs> I think that's brilliant. I know it's, it probably doesn't work particularly well, but no, it wow. sounds fantastic. It, it does, the thing is, it? you have to add the fun value, right? That's and right. That sounds fun to me. Are you ready so. for the fun to be sucked out of the room? Because the next peripheral ain't very fun. <laughs> It's a mood hoover. It's literally a slab of plastic. The Nintendo Speedboard. It sounds pretty cool. Kev can see it. What do you think of that thing? Made in 1991 by Pressman. I have to say that looks like the most useless thing. It looks the opposite of the motorcycle. Have you heard this before? No. Can you uh, tilt your notes toward me so I can... What do you reckon? I'm showing a picture to the guys. What do you reckon (laughs) it actually does? Uh, Oh, is this... Is this for games like track and field? So it holds the controller space and then you can go... It's basically like the suction pad on the bottom of a joystick. Yeah. 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 Hold Hold it in place. The speedboard. So I I told you it's not in rank order. You're like, oh my word, what could be better than a flavor motorcycle? (laughs) Oh, a piece of plastic. So at number six, the speedboard was an accessory for their NES again. And it was uh, officially licensed by Nintendo and made by Pressman in 1991. Uh, so it's basically a plastic board designed to hold the NES controller flat down and allow the player to press the buttons faster with their fingers without holding the controller in their hands or using their thumbs. Um, it had you, a, I was sorry, just interject. Yeah. Do you imagine going around a friend's house and then putting on tra- like then putting on track and field or something and then going, excuse me a sec, <laughs> getting this thing out and putting their controller in it and just... <laughs> Man, I would not have been happy. It's if you're playing like two player and like he proudly brings it around to your house and puts it down and competes against speed- you with his well, speedboard. This advertising might change your tune. Do you want to hear what they said about it? The speedboard, the fastest way to play your Nintendo Entertainment System, puts the speed at your fingertips, increase your game scores, better reaction time and speed, holds your controller so you don't have to. How much did this plastic block retail for? Ooh, I don't know, uh, but it was endorsed by NASCAR driver Kyle Petty. So it probably cost a bit if they put this advertising <laughs> yeah. behind it. No um, one is smarter than NASCAR drivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a fact. Um, so sorry, I've kind of brought the fun back out of the room there. But, um, we're, we're motoring along now. <laughs> we are. Um, are we ready to rock and roll for the next peripheral? Oh, yeah. Uh, and number five, we've got a wisdom through the list now, is the LJN Roll and Rocker. Shouldn't it be called the Rocker and Roller? But anyway, it's called the Roll and Rocker. Maybe that was um, already trademarked. Maybe, maybe. But this was released in 1989, again for the NES. So we're a bit NES heavy at the moment. Um, I'll show you. How would you describe it? It's a big piece of plastic. It looks a bit like a dance pad. It is a bit like a dance pad. Okay. And what you've got to do is, basically, you know... You, you, you... It looks like a huge bath mat <laughs> with a smaller bath mat on top of it. It does. It, yeah, it looks almost like a toilet lid that's yes. to open. 
Yeah, finally, take the toilet lid jokes away for the Jaguar, I like it. So yeah, the device was designed to be plugged into the controller port on the NES and placed on the floor. The player would stand on the roll and rocker and use their feet to tilt it, which would control the D-pad. The side of the roll and rocker included a port to plug the NES controller in so you could, you could still hold uh, the controller and use the A and B buttons. So you could move left and right and up and down and still use the... Yes, keeps doing it. So, <laughs> let me get this straight. You're still holding a joypad. Yeah, you're still holding <laughs> But instead of just using your thumb you can to control the D-pad, you have to shift your entire body around yeah. to do anything? Um, I mean, apparently there were some games developed specifically for it, but even those games made by LJN, never heard of them, worked terribly as well. They were a toy manufacturer. Oh, are they? Mm. Okay. Can we, can we agree that any game that's made specifically for a peripheral is automatically terrible? Apart, always... apart from the motorcycle one. We like that one. The peripheral no, we, was we haven't played it. No, we haven't played it. Game. I mean, apart from Rock Band, obviously, and or Guitar Hero, which... Are oh, fantastic, <laughs> and actually, you can't weigh more than hundred pounds to use this machine either. Fat kids not allowed. No, not I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it, it, I don't know. There you go. The rock and roller. Any comments or we? It's just bullshit. What kind oh. of? I mean, oh. family friendly pod. Adult themes. <laughs> like I, I have a question. Like you have no information on any of the games that would have been developed for it. No, I couldn't find much on them. What games do you think would have been developed for it? Oh, maybe like a ba- you know balance. What's that? You know when there's like a barrel game, it's to balance on top of it. Maybe a bit like that, like a balance game. Or oh, tightrope tight walk can be quite good. We need to sort of balance. Ooh. These sound very much like Atari era games. <laughs> uh, what else could work on it? Maybe. See, this is why it was never released. Yeah, it wasn't released. It's was rubbish. Yeah, it was rubbish. It was rubbish. And number four, I haven't shown you a picture of this because you already know it, and it's a little bit mean making this crazy. It's not that crazy. It's very popular. But I'm talking with, I'm talking about the Game Gear TV tuner. Oh, man. Before you get, before you start rattling this, I've got to say, when I was about 12 years old... <laughs> oh, hey, man. What was that? <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> well, excuse me, princess. <laughs> Every episode from now on. Uh, when I was about 12, I really, really wanted a game... Yeah. A ge- number one, a Game Gear, but also a Game Gear TV tuner. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was the coolest like thing in the world. Yeah. Like, you can literally take a TV with you anywhere. It's true. It's true. It was like... Unfortunately, then of course I actually played a Game Gear and thought, man, it would have been rare... It must be really hard to actually watch TV in the screen this small. I need to get the Game Gear magnifier if I'm going to get <laughs> the actual TV tuner. Yeah, true, that, true. That. Well, I've got some, do you want some information? Well, the TV tuner plugs into the Game Gear's cartridge slot and has a mono AV input. This means that it is, if required, a VCR camcorder or another video game console can be connected and played off the system. How cool is that? Yeah, but I mean, seriously, if you've got a Game Gear and a TV tuner, and the whole point is you can take it anywhere, why are you going to take your VCR and have to plug it into the wall? It goes in the face of portability, right? Well, the whole the Game Gear goes in the face of portability because the batteries last five minutes. Well, we'll, well come to that. We'll come to the battery life in a minute. Um yeah, it, t- t- it, t- it turns your Game Gear into a standard 1990s spec television. Um, and some models apparently have an extra port for an extra antenna uh, for the Game Gear car antenna. Uh, the only official product for it to use with it. Uh, this port was removed in some variants because it served no purpose in many regions. It's weird, isn't it? Yes. Um, Sega was keen to advertise the TV tuner shortly after the system's launch for two distinct reasons. Firstly... Because handheld televisions were still a relatively new invention. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's quite clever so far, and a de- dedicated system was still quite pricey in the early nineties. And secondly, because in order to cope with color television signal, you would require a color screen. Nothing Nintendo's Game Boy could could do. <laughs> um, and they pointed out every given opportunity. So, I always wanted a Game Gear TV tuner. And eventually, mm-hmm. um, after clearing out my my wife's found of house after he passed away, I ended up with a portable TV. Wow! Which couldn't be used anymore because we'd gone digital. Ooh. Hey. So yeah, yeah. Was, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Yeah, well, and they call this progress. I know. I have a small story. Oh, keep. I, I do the stories. Don't no, go for it. <laughs> Our friend that we went to school with, David Hibbard, had one. 
And do you guys, listeners, English, British listeners might remember, Duke of Edinburgh from high school? Yes. When we did the Duke of Edinburgh Explain Awards. Explain to people what a Duke of, Ed- oh, Duke of Edinburgh Oh, God, was. what is it? How would you describe it? You okay, I didn't even go on it, but I can oh, describe it. When you were like it. 13 or 14, yep. this is correct, you would basically all go camping and learn to do scout stuff, and yep. you would get like an official qualification yep. for it. Yep. There's only like one weekend, or was it... No, it's a bit more than that weekends? now. Yeah, it was a, we did a practice camp, <laughs> and then a proper camp, and there was lots of walking and like orienteering and... But it was scouting and fast forward, right? Basically. Okay. And so we did that one weekend... And the, the <laughs> <Sounds stupid. laughs> I have this distinct memory of being in the woods somewhere in Sussex in the pitch dark while Dave was desperately trying to get a signal on his game oh, gear so him. that we could watch Gina G perform in the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> Just a little bit. Yes. Uh, twist it a little bit more. Yeah. Tune it this That was it. Keith, I have to ask, is this what ruined camping for you? Yeah, that was it. I was done with camping after that. Gina I mean, G. you say that, but I know for a fact Keith has been camping since. I'm pretty sure we haven't probably haven't watched Eurovision since. <laughs> That's true. I think Gina G won it that year. No, she no, didn't. She, oh, she, oh, sorry. She, she was terrible. Oh, right. I mean, not bad as... Not bad by the standards of recent null point, null point years that the UK have had, but man, she was no Katrina in the waves. So what year would that have been? 95. 95. Wow, Indeed so this just came out in 1990. Half a second. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the battery life of the... Of the uh... No, I think it was 96 actually, because it was uh, number no, one no, single. It couldn't have been 95. No, 95 is Love City Groove. School, right? 95, yeah, I, I think, think it was year four. 95 so. is Love City Groove, 96 was G&G. <laughs> How long would a fully charged... Mm, I'm talking batteries now. Fully powered battery game gear work. Well, you work. A norm, a normal six hours, gear. I think. Less. Yeah. I reckon it's less than that, isn't it? But, yeah. Well, apparently the battery life will drain even faster with the TV tuner than a normal yeah, game gear game. Yeah. Oof. So you can watch half a Gina G was, song. <laughs> but you basically. could take your little AC adapter somewhere with you. So. You could, but that's not portable. You couldn't do it camping. No, there was no... no. Plug in the woods. But um, if you don't have a TV in your room... Well, yeah, it's sad really because this Game Gear tuner is now pointless because you're right, digital. Yeah. So it's actually it's obsolete now. It doesn't do anything. Mm. It's a paperweight. Can scratch your back with it using the antenna, maybe if you're lucky. <laughs> um, yeah. So there you go. It's quite sad, really. Um, but come on, like conceptually, we all wanted one. It was. We great. always wanted one. This is cool. This is oh, sorry, guys. This is cool though. That apparently, unofficial TV tuners made by crazy companies were released for the Game Boy Advance and Nintendo DS. Hmm. No, that. Okay. Yeah, not not released by Nintendo. I don't think. I think that was the first peripheral that all of us had said we were actually wanted. Getting gitches. I, I definitely wanted one. I think. Yeah. Just money, man. Yeah. It's just the money. Um, let's go back to the nineties. Well, we were in the nineties. We've been the game. Yeah. yeah. But let's let's get a bit further ahead for the Aura Interactor. You've heard about this? No, but the Aura Interactor. No. Manufactured by Aura Systems. No. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, you know what? This it's not. Cr- it's kind of crazy, but also very impressive. This one, the Aura Interactor, was a wearable force feedback device, obviously de- developed by Aura Systems, that monitors an audio signal and uses Aura's pa- patented um, electromagnetic actuator technology to convert bass sound waves into vibrations that can represent such actions as be a punch or a k- kick. I'm sure that technology worked incredibly well and nothing ever went wrong. It, it was compatible with the Super <laughs> Nintendo, the, 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 the Sega Genesis, the Mega Drive, obviously, and the Sega CD console. But this is brilliant. Apparently, it's the first commercially available haptic suit ever released. Oh, it's a full suit? Well, look, well it's, well, I won't call it suit, but it's more of a body armor. Oh, okay, so, okay. So, oh, so it's like laser tag. Chest and it How cool is that? So we're saying this wasn't system I'm specific? Now. The description or... sounded amazing. It could be used, I think, for free systems. The Super Nintendo Genesis <laughs> or Sega So how CD. did it work? Did it work off sounds? Uh, yeah, apparently. Well, I guess so. Audio signal. Um, it converted bass sounds. I don't know how it works. So it didn't exactly. have a microphone. So bass bases in two S's or SE? I've got two here S's. two S's, yeah. Okay. So I guess the theory is if you're playing a game and there's like explosions on the screen, and just and, and then it makes it like vibrate. Just wondering like, if you could watch a film and get the same effect, you know? Wow. You're just like, <laughs> Great some old, what, I wonder what it is that makes or? it compatible. Is there, there must be some well, kind of receiver then. I've got no, a little bit more. I've got a bit more detail. <laughs> <laughs> Would it? No, I feel like it'd be brilliant, but a minute, yeah. and then you go. Ugh. <laughs> 
This is great though. This is amazing. Look at this. Aura signed a deal with Acclaim to promote Mortal Kombat 2. And in addition to inclusion in Aura's $5 million advertising campaign, Acclaim put interactive cards in the Mortal Kombat 2 game boxes and Aura packed Acclaim information in its interactive packaging. Wait a minute. This is a $5 million advertising campaign. How come no one in this table has heard of it before? <laughs> well, maybe it's the US only. It's but um, Also part of the deal, Acclaim program special audio cues into game code which would trigger responses from the interactor. That's cool, isn't it? Mm. So I, I assume Mortal Kombat 2 was working closely with it. Um, <clears throat> I would say, is that toasty? It's toasty. <laughs> There's no base in that. Well, I have spoken to John Tobias. So maybe, <laughs> Rob's like, mention him again. Maybe I can get back in contact with him and ask him about this. Um, so Aura also signed a deal with Williams Entertainment to do a strategic marketing in relation to Williams releases Double Dragon 5 The Shadow Falls <laughs> and great choice this is yeah. going to make Keith happy and Troy Aikman football <laughs> <laughs> Keith loves Troy Aikman he thinks he's the best player ever no, who is Troy Aikman Troy Aikman was a Dallas Cowboys quarterback in the 1990s and he's now a commentator and he hates podcasts. Could, could you imagine Hi Troy <laughs> This is the Aura Systems We're working a new game We need you in the studio now Okay I'm coming over And then <laughs> Yeah Put on this suit <laughs> Everything you, So you like, could feel the tackles So you would actually like To have Troy come in this room right now And punish him with the Aura Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah that's right You're hurting me You can't get some electrocuted me <laughs> I kind of think If you could cont- Like if you could Combine this With the octopads That we had earlier the activator. The activator. Michael Layford is shouting at you right now. Octopad. He doesn't want to talk to you anymore. No, he's no. like, damn, why didn't we call it an octopad? <laughs> Michael, if you're listening, do you want to talk to Kev? If you say, just tell us truthfully, he's not invited ever again. <laughs> the octopad. The octopad. <laughs> Sounds oh would have been higher. Oh my god, can you imagine Double Dragon 5 and Troy Aikman NFL football? But that'd be pretty cool, though, in in, yeah. in American football, though, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you could feel like the tackles. Uh, uh, uh. God, can you imagine if you're playing Troy Aikman football with Troy Aikman wearing his activate? What would you do to him, the aura interactors? You just <laughs> you just smash into him all the time, wouldn't you, Keith? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. And Troy Aikman, if you're listening, we want to talk to him. We like we like him, don't we? Uh, I like him. You like? I don't know why. <laughs> He said live on air in an NFL broadcast, what kind of person listens to podcasts? Yeah, but we... <laughs> said that. we That's why I don't like him. We don't listen. No we, we record podcasts. It's different, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what kind of person so, listens so. to podcasts? <laughs> actually, yeah, he's dissing our listeners, isn't he? Yes. So actually, no, we do not like Troy Aikman. So Troy Aikman... Thank you. Um, we want to strap you to the Aura Interactor and... <laughs> <laughs> And punish you. Anyway, let's move on. Let's so, do that. But mm, this is, you know, the interactor was actually quite successful. How many units do you reckon it sold? It was Brothers. successful by what <laughs> Will you tell me a number? 12. <laughs> I'm going to say, if you say it's quite successful, I'm going to say 8,000. No, it's a lot more than that. Actually, I'm surprised that work did. What? Right, so you said a lot more than 8,000. It was yeah. available say... across Mega Drive, SNES. SNES and, Mega, and Sega, Mega CD. I'm going to say 35. No, it's more than that. 50,000. More. What? 100,000. No more. way. No, Apparently. there's no, there's no way this is not a money laundering operation. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it sold more than 400,000 units. No way. Get there's out. There's no way we wouldn't have heard of this. Are you telling my Wikipedia <laughs> jokes? I'm telling you this. No, unless that's how many units they sold to retailers. Or maybe Troy Aikman bought them all. Imagine. And then they a so-called five million dollar advertising campaign. Mm. No one's heard of anything. And four hundred thousand sales. Yeah, there's a lot of big I'm doing the finger here. thing when I say sales. Like, there's no way this is not laundry. Well, laundering operation. Like, who is the company that released this? Aura Systems. Thank you very well, much. That we've never no, heard of. And what else did they do? Uh, Nothing. How Nothing much, for no one. How, how much did the, the how much did the interactor cost? For consumers, I'm going to say um, in pounds eighty. Well, Kev's got it spot on. Hundred, hundred bucks, one hundred smackaroonies. Um, you know what? I think actually it was quite a success. Well, well, if these numbers are correct, success. Why not? I'd like to try it out one day. It's a forty million dollar product, all right? So, yeah. Well, um, I'm sure you can buy one of eBay because they definitely exist in real life and. 
Kiev. What's it called? The Aura Actor. In- Interactor. Aura Interactor. It sold 400,000 copies, Keith. There must be one Inter- on eBay. There must be. There must have been one listed on eBay in the last five years. <laughs> well, well, why Keith's checking? Should we move on to. Wait, wait. No, Keith, go, go, go on. We'll Aura Interactor Virtual Reality Gameware Vest. Oh, no, that's a PlayStation Xbox One. Oh. They're still making so them. They kept going. It was that successful, Rob. Wow. Do you know what? Interactor feedback cushion. Sorry, I'm taking feedback things off cushion. your I'm taking things off your potential future list. He's being rude here. You're going to want to take a chainsaw scene. Ten, ten pounds. I mean, a feedback cushion is pretty lazy, though. Or interactive virtual reality game where Sega Super Nintendo oh, pre-owned go. twenty-eight pounds. Wow. Let's do it. Let's all get one. <laughs> yeah, buy, buy on yeah, five. Buy <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Rob now, aren't we? Yeah, Rob, could well, you be well, asking to leave? You, <laughs> surely this happens at the end of each episode when I have to get we the train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm being a bit cheeky because I'm not talking about Rob. I'm talking about Rob right now because we're talking about the robotic operating buddy made by Nintendo. It is actually my name, robotic operating buddy. It's just <laughs> yeah. I had to shorten it. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, that looks like. Show me that. Show me that picture again. It right. looks like cross Johnny Five or. It looks like cross between Johnny Five and that creepy SoftBank robot. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, Rob, as I'm going to call him, is no, no, no. I, I'm going to take it back. I know exactly what it looks like. Oh, then. It looks like the uh, Robbie the robot in the new version of Hitchhiker's Guide, the film version. Oh, with uh, most deaf and yeah. Martin Freeman. Uh, uh, Martin Freeman, yeah. It looks exactly like that. Okay. I mean, not exactly, but very close. Do you know much about this crazy thing? I'm going to pull it up. No, I, uh, this, I, I, I read a little bit about this guy um, before. He, he's an interesting character. So he was released in 1985. A, a robot. That's pretty oh. crazy, isn't it? And like I said, he stands for ROB, stands for Robotic Operating Buddy, uh, released for the NES, NES, obviously. And it's um, it works with a grand total of two games. Two games. Two games. I've got the games in a second. I'll, I'll come to it. I've got it in my list. Um, oh, sorry. It's Marvin the Paranoid Android. Marvin. Good old Marvin. Yeah, or the yeah. robot is something else. Oh, there you go. Um, and also, I'm looking at this. It doesn't actually look... They're the same colour, but... Hasn't he got a big round head? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it does. I was mistaken. You're mistaken. Rob's his own entity. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you get back on with what you were saying. Now. This, this <laughs> is a bold claim. Some people, and this is a great... You, know, you may think this is ridiculous, but some people actually think Rob helped... Um, North America more than you know than the rest of the world truthfully but North America to bounce back from the video game crash in 1983 a lot of people think Rob was the reason why the NES became very popular it was wasn't there really? there was a, there was a yeah. certain pack wasn't there yeah the, the console and the, yeah and, and the, he was such an interesting character to be like robots robots in my house um, obviously Rob was pretty rubbish but he just looked pretty cool um, so yeah he was included <laughs> he was included in the deluxe set a configuration of the console that includes Rob and the pack in software Gyromite that's the first game so you could there's so, you so got, much promise that you could get more games that would work with Rob well the other game was called Stack Up sounds good <laughs> and that was packaged separately includes own physical game pieces um, yeah he didn't do much really they, you know, let's be honest. So, uh, as far as I understand it, he reacted to light from the TV. Is that correct? Um, I think it's he moved. I have I've seen videos. He just moved he discs around. He? She, he, Rob. Yeah, I don't know. What do you call him then? It. It. Happy birthday, Polly. I'm sorry. To have done <laughs> <laughs> well, that it. It could change gender. Yeah, Paulie's robot changed gender. To be fair, anyway. It. Well, you say that. I mean. Getting very fluid. You know what, let's just move on. Let's move on. We'll, we'll do Rocky Ford some other time. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, yeah, so Rob, ROB, was uh, reclassified the platform as a toy. And I love this. I, I love this. I love business stuff. Obviously, I teach business. It's known as a Trojan horse in the marketing world. So have you heard that term before? I've heard the term, yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. I mean, so, not in a marketing sense, but... You know what the Trojan horse is, obviously, yeah. the Troy story, but it's... Um, basic Toy Story. Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story. Coming Toy Story 5. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear sneaks into... No, let's not go down there. Um, 
Oh, it's brilliant. So obviously it, it looked great, but it delivered nothing. So it's, it, but it actually got people to buy the NES. The Rob, Rob, I think if people got this, they'd be like, oh, wow, robot. It just didn't turn out very well. So it actually revived the video game market um, because people were so desperately a hold of it and they thought, well, ROB is pretty rubbish, but the actual NES console is pretty good. It tricked people in a way to get it. He's quite infamous now. He was a bit of a joke character. And I know the um, uh, ag- angry video game nerds done a really good sort of video on this. So if you want to check it out, he goes into more detail. But he's made a bit of a comeback. Good old Rob. He's now an unlockable character in Mario Kart DS, where he was. He's also in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, Super Smash Bros. for Nintendo 3DS and the Wii U. And he's now in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. So I showed my son today. Do you recognise this guy? He said, yeah, you can, he's a character in Super Smash Bros. Uh, and apparently he's quite powerful. Um, it, but it still looks like something where I can't put my finger on it, what it looks like. But exactly like another kind of character, but I can't... It, it, it just makes me think of Johnny Five. Johnny Five is alive. There you go. Oh, the Rocky Four robot. Yes, it, maybe that is it. No, no, the Rocky Four robot's head is going to be different. Yeah. yeah. Oh, can you imagine Paulie? No, let's not go down that road. Paulie and Rob getting together. That would be dodgy. Troy Aitman's autobiography should be called Troy Story. <laughs> yes. Troy Story. The story about the Oriole Interactor. <laughs> How are you? Joe, you know I've got to say, like, I recently, I recently put on Zoom quiz, like, because everyone is doing it now, lockdown last yeah. year. And um, there's a question involving the Rocky Four robot. And Adrian, Adrian insisted. He should be giving it more points for knowing its exact name. Seiko, the robot, yeah. He's <laughs> like, no one else should be giving points because I, I've got the name right. Well, I did, technically. He's all, <laughs> How did you know that? What? Well, <laughs> oh, it was actually a real, it was a real brand. Like, Seiko was like Oh, like the brand. watchmaker? No. Like, no, I think it's no, different. No, it was but, spelling. It's like oh, S-Y-C-O. The oh, event, right, so that's quite, I wouldn't say it's a sad story, but obviously, I say obviously. It was meant to work with sick children or yeah, like and, developmentally and disabled children. Sylvester Stallone's got, a, got his first child who's in Rocky 2. Mm. Um, not, is it Sage Stallone? I think it's, um, no, that was, that was um, the one that passed away sadly. No, but he's a first son, very ill. You know, he's not very yeah. well and he needs care quite a lot. He's, you know, he needs care a lot. And this robot, was built for for, for disabled oh, wow. children and okay. just and it was and and Stallone saw it and thought well, I'm going to buy it for my son and he thought well, can, I might as well put it into the Rocky story and it was quite I've heard an interview actually on the uh, Going Distance Rocky podcast there you go uh, where, where um, the gentleman Ryan a, good, a friend of mine now he spoke to the inventor so I know a bit uh, about him so it's very good very good interview cool. yeah, a little plug for another podcast if you're a Rocky fan give it a chance um, but yeah. Moving on from robots, mm. are you ready to go mind control powers? Oh, wow. What if I told oh, you you could control a video game with your mind? <laughs> what year is this? And you're thinking, but surely you're covering peripherals in the 80s and 90s. So how is that possible? <laughs> what if I told you there was this peripheral was made in 1984? I love that you said 1984 because when Rob said, what year is this? I immediately thought of Terminator. Yes. <laughs> what date is it? <laughs> what year? Oh man! Now Rob's had some choice words about Atari in the past, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> one or two. And I, you know, it grinds my gears when you talk negative about Atari because you know, well, I'm sure you're only going to have positive things to say about whatever this peripheral is. <laughs> well, hold me back, Kev. Hold me back. Because <laughs> the Atari Mindlink released in actually, I say, but oh dear, it's not. It's unreleased. Oh. No. <laughs> no, no. I mean, there's, there's just a big disappointment. Anyway, the Atari Mindlink was a video game controller for the Atari 2600. And this is crazy. Originally intended for release in 1984, the Mindlink was unique. That is a headband, um, which basically... So it you see it? Look at this. You wear it. You wear a headband. It's called the Mindlink. Yeah. And it doesn't really read your mind. I think it just oh. works on frowns, right? Every time you get angry and annoyed, <laughs> yes. your character does something. Okay, got it. It reads, it reads, I can't even pronounce this word because it's too technical, the myoneural, myoneural signals from your forehead. So when you move, when you move your forehead, it reads the, the infrared sensor reads it and transfers the movements into a game. So this accessory literally gives you wrinkles while you're using yeah. it. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, does it come with a health warning? Specifically supported games are similar to those that use the paddle controller, but with the Mindlink controller instead. Mindlink. Quick! Can you imagine doing controller? Yeah. 
Yeah. So yeah, the paddle controllers like the playing yeah, live the ping pong, pong and stuff. Yeah, pong. Oh, okay. Or Tempest and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Can you imagine playing Tempest to your mind? Um, oh man, three games were in development for the Mind Link, but they were cancelled. One was called Bionic Breakthrough. One was called Telepathy. <laughs> and one was called Mind Maze. Really pushing the whole link. I know. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah. So Bionic Breakthrough is is a what clone? It's a kind of what game? Breakout. Breakout, well done. Huh. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Mind Maze uses the mind link for a mimicry of ESP. What's ESP? Electrosensory uh, perception? Yeah. No, it's oh, mim- so mimicry of... Mimicry. It's, yeah. not, it's not bad. I say mimicry? Like that. Yeah. Yeah. I said mimicry. 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 I gave a little mimicry when I said it was not released. Mimicry. Mimicry. Yeah, it... <clears throat> To pretend to predict what is printed on cards. Mm, that's weird, isn't it? Um, testing showed that players frequently got headaches due to moving their eyebrows to play the game. <laughs> None of these games were ever released in any other form. However, that wasn't the reason why the Mind League never made it into production. Why didn't the Mind League... Who cares about headaches? Why did Jack Trammell put his foot down? Well, I, I, by weird coincidence, I actually watched Scanners last night. And so I'm going to say the reason was because... People's heads were exploding by <laughs> 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 using yeah. the exactly mind link because, uh, yeah, too much psychic energy, man. Well, Jack Trammell, who you know, interesting character. Uh, we've we've had Leonard Trammell on the show, well, not on the show, on, the, on our text interview. What what a guy that guy was! But he said here, uh, well, I didn't say here, but he wanted Atari at the time to compete with Apple as a computer company, and he felt that the mind link was just a toy, so it was cancelled. Despite millions of dollars being spent on developing it. Man, it's just like Hot and Catch Fire, isn't it, Kev? Yes, it is. Yeah. I like it. I want to get in, ch- in, in contact with this guy called Bill Latham. Uh, not Michael Latham. No relation. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's spelled differently. This is La- well, Lapham. Lap- Lapham. Oh, okay. Lapham? Lapham. Yeah, L-A-P-H-A-M. Lapham. Why do you call him Latham? <laughs> it's got a <laughs> instead of a T. <laughs> <laughs> I just said Latham. <laughs> because... <laughs> because we like Michael a lot and it, you know that's why anyway would you like to give me the notes so I can, can I can pronounce everything correctly no but people like anyway people like me pronounce uh, you'll make wrong. him have another Mimi cry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Bill no I'm going to get I'm going to get in contact with Bill and he's going to be he's going to be my best buddy so leave me alone he's going to he said it. The original first off unit did not work very well because once the unit was comfortable with the system, uh, ten minutes or so, his muscle reactions um, would overdrive the system. To counter this, we redesigned the signal amplifiers to step down the signal amplifications to reach a usable level. As a company, Atari never saw the device to test. There were only a few people that were given the final design pro- prototypes to look at in a non-functional form. Um, yeah, apparently the six working units were taken to the CES show, but were not disputed to any other group uh, for official use or testing. The mind link. The people who came up with that should have been buried in the desert with the, all the ET cartridges. <laughs> when I talk to Bill... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, which, guys, obviously I didn't include the power glove because we've done a whole episode on the power yeah. glove. La, la, la. Well, it was mentioned, but we didn't actually mention it quite a lot. Yeah, so that's why I didn't do the power glove. Um, there's loads more peripherals. I mean, this there's definitely a second part. There could be three parts. Wow. Mm-hmm. You never know. What Out of those ten, what was your favourite then, guys? I want to try the motorbike one. Mm. Yeah, I the like inflatable that. motorbike, the vibrating. I like the, the aura interact aura vibrating thing. with the octopods. Yeah, the octopod. fighting octopod. Man, I gotta go to you. You, you, it's you still can't even today get a decent affordable TV. Like mm. you can go, oh, maybe I can stream it online. But in, like, in, if you actually kind of step out of uh, a four G area or. F- you know, 5G now. Like, if you kind of sip out of like an area, you can't really get a signal. Yeah. But you can't get a signal. So, what you really want is on a TV signal to yeah. return. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't get a signal on the. the yeah. The, take a TV. Anyway. But you could have back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I think back then, that's the one I would have wanted most. Gina G in the woods, man. Do you have any favourite. Pro- <laughs> Gina G. Do you have any favourite peripherals you ever owned as a kid? Ah. <sighs> See, what did I... That, that Four-player adapter, man. Got to go with that. That's a great one. Mm. Oh, and the Nintendo light gun was pretty cool. So, yeah, good. so the the one for the NES. Yeah. yeah the that super, was great. Yeah. Yeah. The, 
the light phaser for the master system wasn't bad. Wasn't bad. I had that. Yep. But then when you get into the 16 bits, the super scope, I didn't own it because yeah. I didn't have the SNES, but it wasn't great. Wasn't and I, I, had, I had the Menacer, which I was so excited to get because it looked cool and yeah. it had all these different attachments. You could have it like a rocket launcher. It even yeah. had like the goggle bit. It did. Um, but it we could have to do a whole episode on that one. Yeah, we will. It was, well, it was pants. We should. We should do a lot of light conversation we one day. Yes. Yeah. Um, We'll do that. I, I feel bad, but I, I used, I can't remember the Amiga game now, but we had this flight similar game, and my dad doesn't really, it, my dad wasn't really into video games, mm. he's not into video games. But something about this flight, we, he was, oh, a flight simulator, this World War II game, and it was like, yeah, yeah, look at this. And I was showing pictures of the magazines, and, and my dad went, we bought it from the yeah. shop, and he, we actually bought the, um, control pad as well, oh, the actual, the, um, the, the, flight. The, the flight stick thingy, yeah. yeah. And it was, I think it was not designed for the game specifically, but it, they kind of sort of linked it together. Yeah, yeah. And that was a big, to be honest, it didn't work particularly well. I don't think it was the best flight simulator on the Amiga. Um, oh, it'll, sorry, it'll come back to me one day, the, the name of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's, um, it, it's one of those things I've really enjoyed at one time. I'll let off the yeah. I think one that I really wanted when I was a kid that wasn't a, the Sega TV was the Nintendo uh, NES joystick. Because I remember it being quite oh. lost. Action stick. Yeah, I want to say it was a joystick. It was a replacement for the for the joypad, yeah. but it was a fairly big, solid bit of kit. Yeah, I remember it. It was quite cool. It's a big grey slab, and it had the two big buttons. Yeah, and that's and it. And one of one of my joystick. friends had one, and I remember playing on it. I was like, this is really cool. I yeah, well, I own the Dylan's got one now. I don't know if you've got one. The arcade power stick for the Mega Drive. Uh-uh. that was quite fun. Because it had a big, and it felt really, it was really hefty as well. It had massive buttons, it had a big chunk. But I was never a big fan of that kind of arcade big joystick thing. Anyway, I actually much prefer the D pad, especially on the six button pad. I've got to be honest, I did use the D pad more often. I, I mean, I did mention it earlier on. I still think the single, like the single greatest. Um, I'm gonna. It's not even one. It's several like peripherals. The rock, like the rock band world tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Instruments. In fact, I'll go further than that. My favorite gaming experience, maybe ever. You, you guys, you guys know what I'm going to say. Yeah. We, we've <laughs> heard this day, story. Keith had all the instruments. We did. We had the and, old band, the Guitar Hero band. Uh, and there was one particular day when I think it was me, Keith, Adrian, Dylan. Yep. Sorry, Kev. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Kev wasn't invited. But we were, we, but we were at Keith's house. Playing every kind of thing, we were swapping instruments around, jumping around the flat. Oh, yeah, man, man both like did, having like the kind of the mic on that, and then change the bass or like guitar, the drum kit as well. It was so oh, much fun. No. And, and I bet you're all standing there, just, just wishing you're playing the air drums. That's yeah. yes, the unreleased game they could have made for that yeah, for the octopus. The octopus. <laughs> The octo- oh, Zig, okay, okay, one. What is it? Like, 28 quid? So, no. no, that's the... Yeah, that's the, the Aura. Oh, I don't know. The they all blend into one. Can you imagine if they mix them all together? <laughs> you could wear the, the vesting. You could, you could play, use the octopad. You oh, could, could you imagine getting punched? Yeah. You could wear the mind link. <laughs> I, I mean that would be the missing link because that could control your and movements and the octopad could control your punches Streets of Rage Streets of Rage remake you've got a motorcycle to ride so you can bust out the motorcycle have we got yeah, a motorcycle, motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, could, um, no we don't have the uh, the board that holds everything in place oh that's where we'd go wrong We could the big plastic piece of plastic that is the oh. best thing after all then <laughs> so on that on that crazy Speed note should we we're, 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 we're I hope you enjoyed this peripheral chat and which I didn't it. find it too peripheral, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.